Hello, and welcome back to Mama's Nightmare. Thanks for joining us as we talk about anything from moms that murder to family murderers to kids being kidnapped and or murdered or even being killers, which are all a mama's nightmare. I'm Rhonda. I'm Alicia, and we're a mother-daughter duo giving you our spin on these nightmares from a mom's perspective. Today, we're going to be talking about the torso killer. I'm Rhonda, a mother of two and grandmother of four. I work full-time for a well-known app. I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts, shows, and documentaries. I'm Alicia, a wife and a mother of three who just started listening to true crime podcasts, but love watching documentaries and thrill-seeking movies with my husband. I'm the one that suggested... That we start a podcast since we love to discuss these nightmares and, of course, I think people need to hear our opinion on them. For today's nightmare, we'll discuss everything we know about Evelyn Digg. We're going back to the 1940s today. The trigger warnings for this episode are murder, dismemberment, and child killing. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's grab some Twizzlers and let's talk about a nightmare. All right. So are you excited about this one? (laughs) Yeah. First off, I think we need to let everybody know that my apologies. I was supposed to be doing the story this week for um, the murder of Garnet Paul Thompson Spears. But we've had some ups and downs all week here. So it just has not turned out. Oh. It just didn't work out like I had planned. And um, just prepare yourselves for next week because this one this one coming up is a doozy. There's a ton of information and I am trying to weed out what to say and what not to say. So, yeah, well, we've had a lot of sickness go around in our family. It's been really bad. We all had the stomach bug. Everybody, the entire family did. It was disgusting. We are all just now getting over it, getting back to normal. So I haven't even gotten to do my stuff. This was one that we've already had in the bank and we've tried to do it many, many times. So, yeah. (sighs) Yep. All right. Well, also, before we get... Well, no, before we get started, I wanted to make sure that we let everybody know that we have been checking on it and we have had lots of new listeners and we are so excited about it. We've had uh, one from Where were some uh, some other from? from France, France, Canada. We've had uh, one Kentucky, uh, D.C., Tennessee, our homeland, <laughs> home place. Yeah. Georgia and Maryland, I believe, was one of them. So we've been really excited to hear all about these, seeing them yeah. all show up. Yeah. It's been really exciting for us. We, we, uh, do not take any of it for granted. We want you all to know that we're enjoying that we're enjoying doing this and we hope that you're enjoying listening to our stories. Yes, this is so exciting. Every day getting to see something else pop up on the map. Yes. It's been very exciting to see it all light up. 
All right. We're going to have to get a big map and put pins in it where everybody's coming from. (laughs) Yeah, this is so exciting. We are so appreciative for everybody who's trying to listen. And hopefully y'all are leaving us some comments and some five stars. Throw them our way. That would be great. So we can get more people out here listening. (sighs) All right. Well, are you ready for Evelyn Dick? (laughs) I am ready. We're going to get this one out. Here we go. We're going to get this one out. All right. Have you ever heard of the (sighs) well-known... The well-known schoolyard song in the 1950s that followed by a murder. Your pause says no. All right. Well, <laughs> it goes. <laughs> I know you've already heard this before. So let's, let's just cut through it. It goes. You cut off his leg. You cut off his arm. You cut off his head. How could you Mrs. Dick? How could you, Mrs. Dick? No? Well, it started. All, it all started with a lady whose name was Evelyn Dick. Evelyn was born on October 13th, 2020. 2020. Uh, 1920. 1920. <laughs> 1920. It's so that she wouldn't even be born. She'd be like two years old. October 13th, 1920. To two Scottish immigrants. Donald and McLean. Donald McLean was born on March 18, uh, 1878 in Scotland. And his bride was Alexandra Fraser, I believe is how you say her name. And she was October of 1885. A couple of years after Evelyn was born, they moved to a modest-sized home in at 218 Roslyn Avenue, South Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. So this one is in Canada this time. All right. The front door had a beautiful stained glass window in it. It was a little bitty house, very quaint. Um, And this is where Evelyn grew up. Now, Evelyn had no other brothers or sisters. She was registered as Donald and Alexandria's only child. Her father worked for the Hamilton Street Railroad as a streetcar conductor. Evelyn's childhood wasn't a very happy one. Her father was a very abusive alcoholic. Alexandria couldn't stand her husband and they even and they often spent a lot of time away from each other. Evelyn wasn't allowed to play with the neighborhood kids. Her parents considered her too fragile to play out on the streets. Now, again, I'm going to insert here. Did we know why she was considered so fragile? Did you ever find that out? Because it just seems like it was an awfully, it was awfully terrible of them. They wanted to spend so much time away from each other. And yet they wouldn't even let this child go out and play to get away from them. Yes. Well, it was more, I guess, along the lines of she didn't want, her mother didn't want her playing with other children that were below their class. Like, their mother wanted to be above class, above their class, not below it. So it was very, it was very hard on Evelyn as a child. And even in, even in her school years, 
because that's what her mom wanted her to be. She wanted her to be better than what they were. So she was too point. good to play with the neighborhood kids, basically. Pretty much. That's what I'm gathering from all of the research. But there was never anything about her being uh, fragile by any means. It wasn't yeah, like she was sickly or anything like that. Not that I, nothing that I ever called on it. Okay. Um, but money was never an issue for the McLean family. Donald would bring home lots of money and they always had a large sum in their banking account. Um, even though he worked at, even though he was, even though he was working at a job at the HR at the HSR, my goodness. Also the amount of money that Evelyn and Alexandria spent, they never, neither one of them ever had a job. So people suspected that he was stealing money and tickets from the HSR, but nobody ever said anything or did anything about it. Yeah. I mean, that's my first thought when you say he works for a streetcar and that they have all this money and he's doing this, he's got to be nowadays we would think, well, he's dealing drugs on the side, <laughs> but yeah, he doing something. In the 20s, you probably are thinking, you know, 20s and 30s, you're probably thinking more like he's embezzling money somewhere from somehow or he's, oh, you know, yeah. got a few hookers on the, side the on the side pimping him out. <laughs> or he's pimping out some girls. <laughs> he's exactly. You never know. <laughs> I know. They didn't call him the roaring 20s for nothing, you know. Oh, Donald. <laughs> Evelyn went to Loretto Academy, a private Catholic school for girls. Her parents, uh, with her parents' consent, she tried very hard to be recognized and uh, to get into the finer circles. As a teenager, she would host lavish parties at hotels and would spend money freely on gifts for her friends. But her status never got to where her and her mother wanted it to be. Um, so even though she, she was spending more. freely, even though she was spending freely, the other girls weren't that impressed with her anyway. They would take what she was given and then just keep going. Oh, yeah, they would take. And it was like um, she would buy like the the silver uh, cigarette holder stuff and the the uh, little compact mirror things that are silver and gold. She would buy that kind of stuff to try to get people to like her. And it didn't help because she was, because well, she that was didn't the main focus of the rumors. Well, if they didn't, if that didn't help, then it makes you think that she must've really not been, she was either, something was wrong with her or she wasn't friendly or, but she was trying to be friendly by giving them gifts and things like that. Or there was talk going around about her daddy because he was making so much money and nobody knew why. And so parents That's didn't. One of it. The other thing is, is that she was the main focus of a lot of rumors, even as a teenager. Um, Evelyn had more expensive jewelry and fur than what was considered appropriate. And she spent a lot of time accompanied by older men at the tracks and going out of town with them. 
she was considered a nymphomaniac. Hence, now mama won't let her play with the neighborhood kids, but she lets her play with the neighborhood kids' daddies. (laughs) Exactly. Well, no, no, not the neighborhood kid daddies, because the neighborhood kid daddies are below their rank. They're below below her rank that they want to be in. She's trying to get her in with the lawyers and the judges and the, I don't even know, all of the very rich people. So anybody who is rich, she'll pimper out to and get lots of jewelry, jewelry and fur. Wouldn't that be something? Walking yeah, around what with a sad fur. life for, what a sad life for Evelyn though. Yeah. So on July 10th, 1942, so I can't remember what did we decide that that age was. 42, she was 20. She so was she was 22. 20. Around 22. She was born in, was yeah. she born in 1920? 1920. So this was, okay. she was about 21 at this time. Okay. On July 10th, 1942, she's about 21, 22 years old. Evelyn gave birth to her first child. A baby girl whose name was Heather Maria White. Her name. Her name was Heather. (laughs) What did I say? You said his name was Heather. (laughs) Her name. A little early for that. The baby girl. Her name was Heather Marie White. Maria White. No one knew who her father was. But at that time, if you were a woman who had a baby out of wedlock, it was considered unacceptable and completely out of the question. Evelyn told people Heather's father and her husband was named Norman White, and he was stationed overseas, and he was in the Navy, and he passed away. Later, uh, records would show that he was, Yeah. Later records would show that there was no military record that proved that there was a such a that there was a soldier such existed. So you should have yeah. at least picked out a name somebody would mark like John Smith. Like I mean, right. why I would mean, you Norman White? Well, I mean, Norman you would think Norman, like a good dad. Norman White does. I mean, it, it is pretty basic names. I'm sure there were a lot of Normans, and White is pretty basic too she just kind of lucked out that there was nobody named norman white for her at that point if they you know when people were actually looking but yeah that's yeah. um you know i've been watching downton abbey again John, John Smith. <laughs> i've been re-watching downton abbey and it takes place during that time period too of course it's in england but oh, they're gosh. yeah but when they have um if there's, you know, it, it was just a really, a major, um, I don't even know, I can't even think of the word that I'm trying to think of for her to be, it was a, such a disgrace to have a child out of wedlock back then, especially. Nowadays, we don't think anything yeah. about it, but back then it was really a big deal and made her unmarriable. No one would ever marry her. She was not worthy of being touched by anybody else at that point yes that's the problem that she kind of ran into of course um so that's the why i guess the reason why they decided to go with this lie of norman poor norman 
It got yeah. And that's what a lot of women did back then. Kind of don't blame them if that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, if you saw a single woman back then that with a baby that said her husband died, you you kind of think there a lot of these are going, yeah, right, he died. Okay. That's what they all wait, say. Wait, wait. Right. <laughs> he died. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Heather White was born with mental retardation. At this point, I still have no idea what they considered that to be. Um, that's all they ever stated. And, of course, back then, I mean, they didn't have, you know, autism. I mean, it was just, there was just something wrong with your baby. So. Autism wasn't really a diagnosis. Yeah, it was probably similar to that. Yeah. Um, more so than um, down. And even down syndrome, they really called retarded. Yeah. There's never been really a close-up picture of Heather at all to, to see anything. But um, Heather required a lot of attention from Evelyn and her grandparents. Uh, the summer after Heather was born, Evelyn gave birth to another baby. But this one was a stillborn. Then the year, at, uh, the year later, she gave birth to her third child. On September 5th, 1944, she gave birth to a healthy nine-pound baby boy. His name was okay. Peter David White. Okay. So once again, what? she gave him Morgan's White. <laughs> hey, uh, Norman died before Heather was born. Or, well, you know, so to be fair, I he... don't know that. Oh, we don't know when she said Heather. When we don't, don't know, know when exactly she said when. Norman died. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I would say obviously, but no, it's not necessarily obvious that she did it. But, uh, but she was quite busy for someone with a um, pretend husband. With a husband who's in, well, someone who's often at sea too. Who's at war. Exactly. He's not exactly coming home yeah. to impregnate her. So. Yeah. Um, her father was furious and wouldn't have the baby, uh, wouldn't have any more children brought into the house. So she told her parents that she gave Peter up for adoption. Alexandria separated from Donald and started renting an apartment downtown with Evelyn and Heather in June of 1956, 55, Ugh. 1945. Why am I having problems with my dates today? Apologies. Okay. Now, Evelyn I met wondering. a man named John Dick. Okay. I'm wondering when she all of a sudden... He won't allow any more children into the house. She gives the baby up. And now all of a sudden, uh, Alexandra's like, you know what? I have had it with you. I am, I'm out of here. It makes me think that as a mother, she was angry because he wouldn't let her daughter keep her baby. And she had to give that baby up. And that was her grandchild, you know. And back then, too, everybody wanted a boy. And to carry on a name and she already had a girl and she would like to have had a boy. So it almost makes me think, yeah. did she, did she get angry enough to leave him finally because of this? Maybe. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it could be, but that was September, September, 
September of 1944, and Heather uh, and uh, Alexandria and Heather and Evelyn moved out in June. So that's October, November, December. The next June. So that's like eight month, eight nine months later. Okay. Does well, she leaves them? Eight or nine months later, you've got to think that I'm not going to get over. Just because I give my baby up for adoption doesn't mean I'm going to come home and just be fine. I'm still going to be going through a lot mentally and physically and, you know, and all that. And you you know, you got to have a depression and all of that. So she sees her daughter going through all of this and she's furious at him. I don't know. That could not have anything to do with it. It just makes me wonder. Just kind of gets you there. Yeah. Well, Evelyn met a man named John Dick. And when she, she met him when she was going to the HRS to meet her father at his work. John was kind to her daughter and he was a very attractive man. And Evelyn started flirting with him. She liked that he would buy her gifts, of course. And John Dick was a Russian immigrant who was born in May, uh, who was born May fifth of nineteen oh six. So he was mm, good fourteen years older than her. Yeah, yeah, he was he was a little bit up there, not not too bad. Um, he moved to Canada in nineteen twenty four, fleeing the Russian Revolution. Um, John moved to Hamilton in 1940 for work and landed a job at the HSR as a bus driver and a streetcar driver. After only a month of knowing Evelyn, they announced to her parents that they were getting married. Alexandria had never even heard about this man or even met him before this. Evelyn's parents disapproved of John and did not attend the small wedding ceremony that took place in Oct- on October 4th, 1955. See, that's really odd uh, to me because they know that she's already had like three baby daddies. And now that she can finally get married to and legitimize herself, they're going to, they're going to throw a fit and say, I don't want you to marry him. That's just crazy. She's finally well, got somebody. Girl, snag him while you get can. Get her out. <laughs> yeah. I get it to a certain level, but I mean, they also didn't know who, they didn't even know him. I mean, I'm, I believe the father knew him. And from the documentary that I watched, um, Donald was very ugly to him because he was a Russian immigrant. And he would call him all kinds of names. He was very uh, verbally abusive to John. I, you know, I do forget because he doesn't have like ski on the last of his, his last name that I forget he's a Russian immigrant because usually it's like Slavosky yeah. or something, uh, you know, when you hear it. Well, his name is, it's spelled Dick now, D-I-C-K. But when he trans because he transferred uh-huh. when they fleed, they changed it, I believe, but it was like Dyke 
D Y C K. Would okay. you say that was Dyke? Uh, it could still be pronounced Dick. It just depends. But you but know, it, usually you felt different. You hear of Tchaikovsky and uh, you know it's usually an SKY on the end of a Russian name or something like that so I kind of forget with his name being Dick that I'm sure he had that he um he had the uh the accent and all of that being that he came over he was already 16 so if he had been a a small child he probably would have lost that accent and everything but yeah I kind of forgot that I forget that he's a uh a Russian immigrant. So that yeah. could be very wild why they don't want him, why they were opposed to him too. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a big stickler thing for, for people. Um, after the wedding, Evelyn went back to living with, in the apartment with her mom and Heather while John Dick had to go back to his place. Like literally that night she's like, mm, bye. See ya. <laughs> We'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> no honeymoon. No Mama nothing. don't like you. You can't come home with me. But, uh, you know, I got your ring. So here we go. See ya. <laughs> I got your name now. Yeah. Alexandria wondered about John and Evelyn because they didn't move in together right away. She also remembered Evelyn talking about a guy named Bill Bo- Boz. Bozak, Bozak. I think we Bohozak Bohozak. Bohozak. His name is so difficult. Now, see, he's got a Russian name. Which I think, <laughs> yeah, he's got a Russian name. But actually, I don't think he is. I don't think he was Russian. He, I can't remember what his was, but he definitely it wasn't Russian. Um, yeah. Bill Bozak, 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 which Alexandria believed that Evelyn was involved with, even though she was married. So she was well, getting a hanky down with somebody, but it's not John. Right. <laughs> Old dogs don't, you know, they don't just change. Nope. Okay. So a month later, Evelyn and John finally move in together, which Evelyn bought the house and it was on Carrick Avenue. Um, which John Dick's name wasn't on the mortgage, but it is believed that he did put down the deposit on the house. But y'all buy it. You Y'all bought a house together and you're not even. So, you're not Evelyn even putting both names the on house. there? Yeah, Evelyn, Evelyn bought, bought the, house. the so house. It makes you think that Evelyn so wore the Daddy pants the in house. the family. Right. Sounds to me like Evelyn wore the pants in the family. She came by and she said, No, I like that house. She didn't ask him, Let's go look at houses together. She just said, I bought us a house. You coming or not? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, this is where it starts getting juicy. Only after a month of living together, they started having marital problems. One of the reasons for this was that Alexandra was living with them. And it was also that Evelyn was sharing a bed with her mother instead of with John. Okay. 
Which Poor John, John didn't understand. Um, not many people <laughs> would. I mean, let's face it. I, you know, D wouldn't appreciate it I'm if sorry, you were I'm not going to call him with me when I have my husband. I, that's what I was going to say. You know, your husband ain't going to be real happy uh, with me, and you ain't going to be real happy. He ain't going to be real happy with you if at every night you came, got crawled to bed with me and left him alone. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Later, it was found out that Evelyn was sleeping with her mom because, um, because Donald McLean molested her as a child. So she started sleeping with her mother to feel safe. But it was also stated that Alexandria made Evelyn sleep with her to keep Donald away from her. Because so Donald, really uh, Donald and Alexandria didn't share We don't really know which one's which. And I hate to put, put that title on somebody, especially with not knowing the truth on something. Right, yeah. I mean, he's dead, but... It could be both. Still, it could be neither. It could be... Cool. Yeah. It could be all like there's no telling. Yeah, but um, Donald and Alexandria didn't share rooms. They uh, they didn't share beds for mm -hmm. the majority of their marriage. Another part, uh, another problem that they started having was that he found out that Evelyn was was lying. She was a liar, big fat liar. She lied to him about being a widow and about uh, her daughter Heather White. That she was actually an illegitimate child. So Don started following his wife because of all the. He <laughs> didn't know about Norm, huh? He thought yeah. Norman was the was a stand-up. He thought guy. Norm was real. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he thought Norm was real. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh, poor John. John started following his wife because of all the lies. So he started, he soon discovered that she was seeing another man, a man who was an Olympic sport oarsman and a steel worker, Bill Bahosiak. We're going to leave it with you. I know. How you, I say it. Just, <laughs> you change it every time. You don't know. Whatever way it comes out, it's going to come out different each time, just so we know. Okay. Stupid seeing Bill. Bill. <laughs> Bill. She was seeing Bill. John found out that they were. They weren't just dating, but his wife was sleeping with him. John was very upset and he confronted Bill. But Bill had <laughs> well, yeah. no idea she that wasn't sleeping was with even <laughs> She wasn't sleeping with John, but she was sleeping with Bill. Yeah, he's going to be upset. Poor guy. So John told Evelyn that he was leaving. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Back it up for a second. So Bill had no idea that Evelyn was even married. Bill vowed that he wouldn't see Evelyn again. But that wasn't enough for John. So John told Evelyn that he was leaving because the house was too small for all of them. And I'm guessing that included Bill in that. Well, yeah, pretty sure now, probably did. Yeah, just a little bit. On March 16th, 1946, Five kids named Jim, 
Fred and Robert Weaver and Faith and David Reed went to the mountain for a hike. When a couple of the children thought they saw a body, but the group of kids thought that they saw, uh, thought they found a headless pig down where the locals called the mountain, which is in the, in the, um, the documentary that I watched, it's almost like a park with a big hill that went up and, and on top of that hill is a street. And I guess they just kind of dump dead pigs off the side over there. It's really gross. Ew. So they thought that they had a dead headless, uh, a dead pig is what the headless pig, which was very common at the Hamilton, um, up there in Hamilton. Well, it has I don't to really know why. There then. <sighs> yep. Can't do it. <sighs> it was common to find dead pigs dumped in that area. It was a horrific, gruesome torso of a man with his head, arms, and legs cut off in a deep wound in his torso, which looked like they tried to cut his torso in half. And the blood was all drained out of the body. So gross still. The children made a human chain across the road to get help. Of course, you know, there wasn't, you know, telephones or even telephone. Uh, what, what are those that are on the side of the road? Oh, we the, need telephone booths. A telephone booth. booth. That's right. Telephone booths back where they were. So they just had to make a human train and just... Hope and pray that somebody will stop their car in time. The war, a war military serviceman who was hired by a tobacco company came home from work on March 16th, 1946. And he was very upset. And he, he said that he and his coworker were driving along the mountain brow when he saw a group of kids who had stopped, who made him stop the car because uh, they were making a human chain. And when he got out of the car, the children told him that there was a de- they found a dead bo- a man's body and he was dead. He told the co-worker to drive ahead to the nearest house to call the police. And then when his co-worker came back, uh, came back to get him, he left as soon as his co-worker came back. He was, didn't want nothing to do with the gruesome scene. This guy was definitely... I can't blame him. I wasn't... You know, but you but you leave these five kids there that with this body, but you are as a grown man are like, nope, I'm out of here. It was like, no, my wife's got no, dinner on good. the table. My wife's got dinner on the table, and I, I got to be there for dinner. Well, he couldn't call her and uh, tell her he yeah. wasn't coming home. He was going to be late, so I guess he had to hurry and get home. Maybe he had a wife like yeah. uh, like <laughs> Alexandra. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So two police officers came onto the scene, and before they removed the the torso from the crime scene, they saw that he had two shots to the right side of his chest. They concluded in the autopsy that they were superficial wounds, and they were not the cause of death. A huge lead in the case was when Alexander Kamer. I don't really know how to say his name, but it's John Dixon. It's K A M M E R E R. 
Camera. Yeah, camera. I don't. Uh, John Dick's cousin reported John missing on March 6th of 1946. He became worried when he uh, when he heard about the report of a torso of a torso and suspected something awful might have happened since his short since John's short-lived marriage has apparently failed. Okay. And I John still have a problem <clears throat> with I have a problem with he hears about a torso and automatically thinks, oh my gosh, John. It must be John. John. John's that. John's and the torso. Yeah. The only other um, thing, the only thing I can come up with with that is that, but I don't think Hamilton is that's really just the a small town. It's normally not, I, I don't think it's a small town. Now, in the 20s back then, or 40s when it's taken place, it might have been smaller than it is now, but it's a rather large city now. But maybe the cri crime rate was so low and there, he hasn't heard of anybody, and then all of a sudden you hear about a murdered man and he starts to think that maybe it's him, but... I don't yeah. know. I that would be my only guess. Is that'd be my only guess is that it was just the first murder that came up, the yeah. first thing, and he's like, "Oh, that must be him," because he was missing for um, ten days by this time, because yeah. it was in the sixteenth. Yeah, so that was ten days. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just one of the the weird things. Is oh yeah. That torso, that's got to be John. <laughs> Somebody chopped him up. That has to be him. <laughs> John's cousin then wondered if John had just gone back, gone back to his wife and stepdaughter. But Alexander was able to identify the torso. I can't say that's what happened. <laughs> But Alexander was able to identify the torso because John had only one testicle. <laughs> I still can't do this. Oh, one testicle. That's got to be John. One testicle. That's how you That's how he doesn't have a head. He doesn't have arms. He doesn't have legs. But he's only got one testicle, so it's got to be John. But how do you, as your cousin, know that he's got only one testicle. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't know if my brother I mean, only had one testicle. I mean, I, I don't, you know. Well, we had that incident a long, long time ago when that lady came up to us and she In just the started Walmart. talking about her son. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, he only has one testicle now. And he's just sitting there. He's just like, yeah. And he like, never even, ever, like, that's never even blinked for somebody to and say. I, was ready to crawl inside the buggy and just ski that alone out. Know, but she just went so on and on and on and on about him. And and this kid was only like 13. He was, <laughs> I want to say like only like 13, but he's like 13. And that's an age where you just don't go around talking about your testicles to your mama's friends. And <laughs> they weren't even <laughs> friends. They were we were acquaintances, <laughs> I know. And yeah. Acquaintances. 
So you got to think maybe John's parents talked about it a lot or John talked about it a lot. I don't know. But it's just funny to me. I was like, yeah, look what I got. (laughs) I got one. (laughs) Look what I don't have. I only have one. Yeah, I don't know. That's just weird that you're like, oh my God, he's only got one testicle. That's got to be John. Who does that? <laughs> nothing, nothing else. That's all it stated <laughs> was just one testicle. One testicle. Whoop, there we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to get through that one. And I'm starting to lose my voice. So, <clears throat> okay. Uh, so on March 6th at 9, uh, 9.30 a.m., uh, John told Anna, which is Alexander's wife, he was going to meet up with his estranged wife, Evelyn, before work. And at 2.15 p.m., he had lunch at the Windsor Hotel. And that was the last time anyone had seen him. Now, on March 19th, 1946, the police had Evelyn come into the police headquarters where they could ask her a few questions after identifying the torso of the male was indeed John Dick, her husband. And I wonder if I she knew he only had he one testicle. Do- <laughs> <laughs> I said she didn't, that she was sleeping around with other people. So she was sleeping with her mama and, 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 I'm, and I'm doing that. Yeah, and I'm doing like the whole um, quotation marks of the sleeping part because she was sleeping with her mom. Right, so. she was sleeping with her mother and Bill. Nobody ever said she was sleeping with John. So I wonder Nobody's if she knew he only had one testicle. Poor baby. Poor John. <laughs> Poor, Poor John. <gasps> well, they brought Evelyn in. Out at the police station, and they are asking her questions, and she just, and this was her remark, and I'm doing the quotation marks to this. I quote, don't look at me. I don't know nothing about it. And I'm just saying it that way because that's just how it sounds in my head. I don't, don't look at me. I don't know nothing about it. Okay, yeah, that's not suspicious at the all. The way she was raised, you know, though, that song? probably... The way she was raised was probably, don't look at me. I don't know anything about it. Very right. droll. I just keep, in my head, I could just keep thinking, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. You're being very suspicious, <laughs> girl. Very suspicious. you got to learn to to cool your jets. Then in the process of telling the police that a well-dressed Italian man came to her door looking for John, saying he was going to fix him for sleeping with his wife. Evelyn had no idea who this man was. So the police decided that they were going to charge her with Yeah, she knew he was Italian. Italian gangster man. Well-dressed. Then he had to have been wearing a pinstripe so, suit and a... He must have been wearing a pinstripe suit and a fedora. In the, in the hat. The fedora hat and... Style had to be, Oh, yeah. And smoking a cigar. Wearing big rings on his okay, finger. He was, an, he was an Italian guy, mag, uh, mobster. 
Yep. So Evelyn was charged with vagrancy, which is kind of like being homeless. And Mm -hmm. they did that a lot back in the day um, because they didn't want her to leave. They wanted to question her more. Back then, if they wanted to question you, they would just arrest you and put you under that vagrancy act. And that's just how they did it. Then Evelyn changed her story saying that Bill Bahaziak borrowed $200 from her to get John fixed for this Italian gangster man who was from the Windsor Hotel to take care of John. Then she said that she got the money back all in 10s and 20s. I don't know. Then she told the police that her father paid Bill Bohosiak to fix John. This is where it gets very, very interesting because the you just kind of tell that there's something, something going on. Yeah. A couple of days later, the police found out that Evelyn borrowed a large Packard car and on March they 6th. They it a Packard. Packard? Packard. Mm-hmm. Packard car. March 6th at 2 p.m. The man's name was Bill Landig. Um, when Bill received the car back at 7.30 p.m., um, he didn't do anything. He didn't look at it or anything. He just knew it was back. But at um, 9.30, Bill noticed that the running board was messed up. And then he saw that his front seats were covered in blood. The seat covers were missing, and there was bloody clothes in the back. Evelyn left Bill a note letting him know that Heather had an accident and cut herself, and she made a mess. <laughs> Heather was about well, four years Heather old must, time. Then did she cut her arm off, and it was <laughs> like spurting blood? And <laughs> I mean, I could just see the arm cut off at the shoulder, and it just spurting blood everywhere, and them going, oh, she made a mess. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Well, the police found that the blood actually matched Don Dick's blood type. So when the police uh, told Evelyn that they found what they found, she then told the police that the Italian gangster called her and told her that John had impregnated his wife and he was going to get what was coming to him. Then the man asked her to borrow a car. She met up with a man who had the large sack, and he explained that this was John's body parts. Evelyn went, uh, Evelyn's story went on to say that she drove the man and the cargo to the dumping ground and then returned home. Evelyn Did they took ever the police find to the, the other parts ground. of him? Uh, well, I mean, she... we'll we'll get into that part. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was it said it was body parts, but I'm guessing the the large sack was just the torso itself. Um, when uh, she took the police to the dumping grounds, and when she was asked if she was uh, if she was upset about her husband being killed and then put in a sack, she said, and I quote, "Pretty mean trick breaking up a home." Referring to John impregnating his man, this man's wife. Pot, meat kettle. Evelyn- <laughs> 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 you 
So it, it's okay for her to do that, but not for John. What, what is the other that. saying? What, it's a uh, pot called the good for the black. goose is, is good. good for the gander. Yes, but what's yeah, good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Evelyn's lawyer showed up and the statements that she used before could not be used against her because her attorney was not present. When the police talked to her again, she changed her story once again. Well, this now time, Bill Bohosiak. Yeah. And the Italian gangster took John to the mountain and killed him. Then they called her and she met up with them to get John's belongings because they thought she'd want it back. I don't know why she would think that they want, want it back when he ain't even living with her, but whatever. She didn't even care about she it. She denied. Yeah. But Evelyn how did this blood get in the car <laughs> if they just met up and gave her back his love? That's a good question. Don't worry. Her story's yeah, going to change again. Okay. Evelyn denied helping with the mur- uh, with murdering John. When Evelyn found out that they brought Bill in for questioning, she changed her story yet again. Okay. This okay. time, she was in the car with John and Bill, and Bill shot John in the car while she was driving, and then he dismembered the body, but she denied being a part of any of it. Well, yeah, the you're not a part of it when you're that- in the car driving the car he shoots him and dismembers him in the car and you got nothing to do with it and you don't tell the police no you're not any you don't have anything to do with it yeah okay so while the police were interrogating evelyn they went to evelyn's house on carrick avenue and they found john dick's possessions also the evidence that donald mclean was stealing from the hsr He found out that Donald was stealing and threatened to turn Donald in to their boss. It was found, uh, it was found out that over the years, Donald has stolen over $200,000 from the HR HSR. They also made a gruesome discovery, a suitcase in the attic that was filled with concrete and inside the concrete was a partly mummified baby boy which they identified as Peter David White. Mm-hmm. This baby was strangled to death and put in a cement case. Oh. Oh. I mean, we, we just can't even gloss over that. I mean, that's just absolutely horrific. I, no, I can't you imagine said you, how she... You said you adopted... That you gave him up for adoption. Why wouldn't you have given him up for adoption instead of killing him? Why wouldn't you have let him have a better life? Even, you know, why wouldn't you let him live? That's that whole, if I can't have him, nobody can syndrome. And that's just, as a person who already had a child, so she was already a mother when she had this one, to turn around and, and kill a child and just continue to pretend like it and yeah. she had had well, a I mean, stillborn had- child too so she'd already lost one how could you that's what I was about to say there's a there's got to be that sadness when you've just given birth to a child that's not even alive and and so then you 
end up getting pregnant again, you've got to be excited and nervous and all of that stuff about having one. <clears throat> and then, and then to kill it when it was perfectly healthy, I just cannot imagine. I I have no sympathy I for her it, at this point. It's, no, I hope she rots. To be quite honest, I mean, who who would ever think? Oh, yeah, I'm going to strangle a baby and then put him in cement in a suitcase. Well, I mean, that keep it. Well, that part, the keeping it part is is weird, but the putting it in cement part really was creepy. smart. I mean, it, it well, it was creepy, but it's smart because there's no scent to give it away. If you're putting him in the attic, you're nobody's going to know it's there because the cement covers up any kind of uh, decay in the smell. I just don't find her to be that smart of a person to to think of that. She had to have had I don't help know. with She's, this. Well, she's pretty conniving, and think of it. She came up with how many different stories for the police? Like, eight different stories every time. Now, none of them were quite were believable. But had she yeah. had more time, maybe she didn't think she was going to get caught, so I don't think she was really thinking up the story very well, But she, or she was thinking of all these different stories and ended up telling them all of the different stories she'd been thinking about instead of just narrowing it down to the one that made the most sense but she was also True. smart enough to know that she well, told them five or six different stories before she got her attorney once she got her attorney then things kind of settled down because he's like nope we're sticking to one story now well i mean not really because they've already moved down to two stories with the with the attorney there but well, that's true. Alexandria told the police that she's yeah. Alexandria told the police that she saw Evelyn spreading ashes in the backyard of the McLean's house the day before. With this turn of events, the police then started searching Donald's house and found two knives that were used to dismember John's body, which belonged to Donald. Also in the basement, they found two they found a bullet hole in a pipe and the revolver in the cartilage. They found a saw that could have been used and John Dick's bloody shoe. They found a detective yeah. magazine showing how to get rid of a body. And Donald and at Donald's house they found bone fragments and teeth among ashes in the backyard, which yeah. placed Donald under arrest. So there's the other body parts. That little information that you were like, oh, where's all the other body parts? Oh, there there's the ashes. Ugh. Yeah. They burnt them in the broiler room. In the boiler room, yeah. So, I, yeah. You've, I, yeah. See, we don't have those anymore, and so I, you kind of forget that they've got that. But yeah, they, oh. Well, I mean, we have yeah. a, I mean, we have fireplaces. Um, yeah, but... Uh, but Hamilton is like smell. really Ugh. Hamilton and Epping Canada can get really, really cold. And so those boilers will get really, mm -hmm. really hot, hotter than like a regular fireplace would. So yeah. Blech. Enough to cremate. That's for sure. Okay. So John and Bill, uh, John and Bill, Donald and Bill had a joint trial which Bill Bosiak <laughs> was never charged with a murder 
because the only person who could tie him to the murder was Evelyn and her statement couldn't be used in court. So Bill Bosiak changed his last name to Bert Burton. Well, that's easier to say at and least. That's a lot easier to say than Bosiak. Bosiak. Burton. Um, he remarried and stayed in his hometown of Hamilton. But he got off. He doesn't, he didn't get anything. But Donald McLean wasn't so lucky. He was charged with accessory after the fact and for stealing from the HSR. He served five concurrent years in prison after finding evidence such as John's bloody shoe, the pipe with a bullet hole, bone fragments, um, all scattered in the yard. So he got five years. That's it. Five, five years. years. For, for all the money he stole. Five years. That's it. Yeah. But, but I mean, I could almost Donald believe it for the money, but for the fact that even the accessory after the fact, because nowadays we would, you would have, you would get um, in America anyway. I mean, the fact is this is in Canada. So theirs is a lot different, but um, their justice system and stuff. But uh, you would also get uh, for, uh, messing with the corpse, you know, they, they can add all kinds of charges onto it, not just accessory after the fact. He got yeah. so little for burning that body he got up, so little. destroying the evidence, everything. Mm hmm. Um, so uh, let's see here. Donald McLean died in 1955 in Hamilton. Uh, Canada, so he didn't move away either after, afterwards. Now then, here we go about Evelyn Dick. Two days after Evelyn Dick's 26th birthday, the jury found that she was guilty of John's murder and was sentenced to death by hanging. When she heard this verdict, she had no emotion. She was, she was cold as ice. Most men would have collapsed at this, but not Evelyn. When the judge asked her if, if she had anything to say, she said she wanted the case appeal. Uh, she wanted the case to be appealed. Evelyn got a new lawyer. His name was J.J. Robin, Robinette, who is a well-known lawyer, but he wasn't at the time. So evidently, this one made him kind of famous. It's made us. Yeah. Um, yeah, her lawyer had the verdict overturned due to improper evidence of the statements that the police have received for Evelyn was improperly placed into evidence. So my gathering on this was all of those testimonies and, and stuff that she gave before her attorney actually came, they were trying to use those against her. And mm. now that she's got this new lawyer, he got all that stuff dismissed. And so they'd had nothing yeah. to go off of. So that's what a good lawyer. She had another you. trial. That's what a good law. That's what they pay for. Uh, she had another trial. And on this one, she was found innocent. Her lawyer believes that she knew and helped with the murder, but that her father was actually the person who committed the crime. Even though it was believed that Evelyn didn't kill John with her hands, she did carry out the plan and participated in the crime. Now, Evelyn didn't get away completely. 
She was found guilty of manslaughter and the death of her baby boy, Peter David White. But both, uh, but before sentencing, before sentencing, her lawyer had her evaluated by a psychi- psychiatrist, which determined that she had a um, psychopathic personality disorder and the mental age of a 13-year-old. She was sentenced to life in prison by Kingston Penitentiary in 1970, uh, 1947. Oh, my dyslexic is coming out of me. 1947. But here's the kicker. So while she was in prison, and I don't think I ever talked to you about this, while she was in prison, the people, uh, the people that were in there, they did state that she, she held herself very well. She didn't have anything wrong with her. She knew how to play up the system. She knew how to do it all. They said that there was no way, no way she had a mental capacity of a 13-year-old. I can't imagine that she did either. They said, but it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing because this is a women's correction facility that she was in. So she had no men contact hardly. But whenever like a lawyer would come, her lawyer would come in or a sheriff who's a man would come into come into the area her entire appearance changed she like morphed into this sex goddess all of a sudden when it came to a man but with the other women she was always telling them that she um i'm sorry that was my cat back there um that she would always tell all of these women that they need to make something of themselves that they need to read and they need to be able to uh go to school so she was very forthcoming with trying to make all these people better in mm-hmm. the prison. Henceforth, the reason why we're getting to this part. After only 11 years in prison, Evelyn Dick got out on parole in 1958. Now, it's not really considered parole because they just let her go. It was before the whole parole board came into motion. I think it was like the next year that it did. They just let her out for good behavior. There was no parole. That's amazing. John Dick's murder is still considered. I know. I can't believe. Like, oh, you killed a baby, and you were accessory to murder. But you were pretty good while you were in here. But you were pretty good while you were were in here. So we'll forgive you. Go ahead. Slap on the wrist. Yeah. So John Dick's murder is still unsolved because no one was ever prosecuted for his murder. Evelyn got a new identity and a new job and disappeared from public and her files were permanently sealed. There were only a few people who knew about her new identity and one of them was Mary Lou Lynch. And she swore she would never tell a soul. Now, Mary Lou Lynch is like the the person in the prison who helped her get the identity and all of that. So she's like Evelyn a social Dick. worker or something? Is yeah, like sort of. Yeah. I don't know that that's what they yeah, call them there, was- there up in, in Canada. Yeah. but somewhere, somewhere around that. Um, never told a soul. Evelyn uh, contacted her and told her that she was going to be in town in Ottawa. 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 Um, and wanted to meet her. Mary Lou Lynch booked a private room 
a private table at a hotel and Lynch then realized that she was sitting there with Evelyn Dick, who was a convicted murderer. Lynch leaned forward and talked very softly to Evelyn and told her that she believed that she killed her baby. And Evelyn, all she did was just light up a cigarette and take a puff of it. Nothing else was ever mentioned about the murder again. That's the closest that anyone has ever gotten to having her admit to a murder. Evelyn got on a plane. Yeah. Evelyn got on a plane, uh, on an airplane in 1965, and she flew to Ottawa, Ottawa. I'm sorry, I keep messing that up, to see her daughter, Heather, for the first time in years and to meet her granddaughter. So Heather had a little baby. She arrived on July 9th, the day day before Heather's 22nd birthday. Heather was upset because Evelyn wouldn't tell her her new identity and Evelyn didn't trust anybody with it. That was the last time anyone has ever seen Evelyn Dick. Now, there was a blog that went along with it, and there was a bunch of things. I mean, there was so many things, and it's in our, it's in my uh, list of um, resources. There were so many of them saying that they've seen her or that they went to school with Heather, all of that stuff. But I found this one, and it was very interesting, so I'm going to read it forward from the blog. I'm a real estate um, broker. And about 10 to 15 years ago, I was asked to list a condo unit for sale for a, uh, for a widow. She was looking to move into a retirement home. During the course of the process, she told me that she lived in Ottawa with her husband, who was a senior, um, was a senior at the uh, senior with the federal government. She told me about Evelyn Dick and that she, while she was out on parole, they hired her to take, care of the, to take care of the house and to be a caregiver for their children. The widow said, um, said her family was in a good relationship with Mrs. Dick and never had an issue with her. I don't see how so, you would You know, she do- killed her kids. She was a convicted murderer. That's the one thing she was convicted of murder was murdering her own child. And you take her into your house, come clean my house, take care of my babies, because I don't think you'll do that again. No. I don't no. Care. Not anytime soon. I mean, everybody deserves a second chance, but you don't deserve a second chance when it comes to my kids. Right. You would never. Nope. No. I dare Mm-mm. you. I dare you. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Well, it is absolutely unknown what has happened to Evelyn Dick, if she is alive or dead. But if she is alive, she'd be way over 100 years old. So I'm pretty sure she kicked the bucket by now. <sighs> but that is the story about Ooh. Evelyn Dick. Although she could very well be alive, seeing as how she does not want us to tell this story. This is the fourth time that we've had to record this story for everybody out there listening. So we apologize for anything that's going on with this because generally we like to do a story that neither one that one of us knows and one of us has researched. The other person doesn't tell the tell them about it until we're on the air. 
But unfortunately, we had done funny this thing, four times. Like, four times, and I still can't get the names right. Four times, and I still cannot get. Still can't get it. I can't. And I keep I'm sorry. telling you the name, and then we keep still every time. I know we keep every time, and I'll even go back and I'll listen to the pronunciation of it, and it's still. I don't know. It's just what it comes out as. It's what it is. I mean, his name is Burton now. <laughs> Bill Burton. That's it. Bill Burton. That's his name now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I can't say it still. <sighs> All right. Well, so that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Podbean, uh, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Audible. And now we're on Samsung Podcast, too. Uh, Your comments can be anything, even just one word. We just need to create an algorithm that will help us get our name out there. Hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on next week's nightmare where I'm going to tell Alicia about the life and murder of Garnet Paul Thompson Spears. We do have a Facebook and an Instagram. It's at Mama's Nightmare Pod where we'll post pictures from each of our episodes. Also, if you have any suggestions on cases that you would like for us to cover, please email us at Mama's Nightmare Pod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Alicia and Rhonda. And we hope you have nothing but sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. Bye. Bye. Get by Bye.